Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back in hour number two of the early line. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we do our spotlights in hour number two. Today, we look at the Atlanta Falcons. Kevin, I'm really excited. We're going to have a guest join us, Evan Birchfield of SB Nation. He covers the Falcons like white on rice. And so we're going to have a little bit of extra insights for our Falcons talk. But let's dive into it. I mean, if you think about their changes in the offseason, obviously, you know, they pay Julio Jones. They bring in Todd Gurley. And that, for me, is the biggest thing. We'll look at their draft. You know, we knew that they went defense. They were in the cornerback market. But the biggest change for me is the fact that Todd Gurley returning home to Georgia. And we just had the conversation, right, in hour number one. The mm. Falcons have a lot of unaccounted for carries in the person of Devontae Freeman no longer there. So I think, um, you know, Todd Gurley, this is where we need to talk about. Um, what do you think Todd Gurley winds up being here? So I just want to say I like that you mentioned they uh, paid Julio because I think that's been yeah. a uh, point of their offseason for like three years in a row, and that is why True. I love Julio Jones because I think <laughs> that is great that he does that, and he's the man for it. Look, Gurley, Gurley is super, super fascinating. I, I think that Todd Gurley has this potential if he is healthy. I mean, I, you don't want uh, – he has the potential to be the best running back in the league if he's healthy. Now, yeah. you might argue that – We've seen it before, yeah. only two years ago. Like, and we've seen him do it multiple times. Like, So I, I, I think that the question is, does he have the potential to be healthy for 16 games? It's a fairest question of any. You know, he reminds me uh, of Derrick Rose. Uh, I think that's yeah. probably the most Good apt comparison, comparison, that, comparison that I can give you for, for Todd Gurley. And, you know, it, it, no one want, like no one's rooting against Gurley. No one wants to see him in this position. I think he's going to be really good for this Falcons team where they can use him. I also will say this, like, not to bring down Jared Goff, right? But Matt Ryan's a tier above Goff. And the, the, fa- the, the Rams were very fascinated in that they were this advanced offense with an incredible mind with Sean McVay in the year 2019 that was still having a running back almost be their lifeblood. Now, then things kind of changed, and it was C.J. Anderson, and everything just got super muddy since then. All of that is basically me saying, I don't think the onus is on Todd Gurley in the same way that it was in L.A., and I think he's getting a boost in offensive line talent. Like, he's walking into a very, very talented... There's another very talented offense. They might not be this perennial playoff team like they maybe once were but he is a part of a great skill position group that Absolutely. can allow him to flourish yeah i mean and 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 to that point you know matt ryan is consistently among the league leaders in passing right now he is the third choice to lead the nfl in yeah. passing yards you mentioned julio jones by anybody's measure one of the top five top three wide receivers in the entire nfl by the way he is one of the top three choices to lead the nfl in receiving yards you know it's almost like when pittsburgh had big ben antonio brown and Le'Veon bell that's what the falcons have right now right a a all pro mvp winning quarterback right a number one wide out and a you know complete threat at running back, they have kind of recreated the triplets. I don't think the Falcons' offense is going to be the problem, uh, Kevin. I think the Falcons' defense may be more of the oh. issue. You know, they we all knew that they wanted the cornerback. They were talking about trading up to get C.J. Henderson. They ultimately get A.J. Terrell, who I like and think will be good. You know, they signed Dante Fowler. You know, they haven't really had a pass rush in a while. If this team, though, had, you know, you like DVOA, if this team had a top 10 yes. or even above average defense right somewhere in the middle when you put their offense out there i'll show you a playoff contender kevin i yeah. think the issue is their defense yeah i think that's i think that's absolutely fair i think that they're a team that has battled a lot of defensive injuries that has certainly held them back and um you know but they've never necessarily bottomed out because matt ryan and his offense will pretty much do a little bit too much to ever let them kind of get to that point you know, they picked 16th this year. Did this feel like one of the, like a top half of the league team? 
which is how you could kind of phrase yeah. it if you wanted. Like, not necessarily. It's a really, really weird spot. But remember, they got hot late. You know, yeah, they, were, they, they were in the doldrums and then came back, so you may forget about it. Like, right, the Jets finished 6-2 six, six and two at the back end. People forget about it. And, like, the thing is, right, when someone finishes hot late, and that included wins over the Saints and Niners, the two top seeds in the NFC, can that carry over to the next season? Like, are we not giving the Falcons enough credit? Like, they did lose Desmond Trufant, though. Sure. I understand that they brought in AJ Terrell. Terrell. They, they replaced that, right? Is they, lose, lose, they lose ta- um, uh, the edge rusher Beasley, but they get Fowler. Yeah. And remember, a big thing here, sorry to cut you up, but Raheem Morris, right, who, by the way, was like the wide receiver coach or a coach, a positional coach on the offensive side of the ball. He is a defensive coach. They moved him to D.C. in the middle of the season, and that coincided with this. Maybe you have Raheem Morris managing the defense for a full offseason. Maybe they take a step forward. They're in such a weird spot. This they really season, are. Right? Because the Saints and the Bucks are yep. like all our chips are in. Absolutely, you want to win the Super Bowl. You got them going thirteen and three. No, I know that. Um, That's what I'm, so it's, where do the Falcons fit in? So let's 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 take a look here. Sure. With all this being considered, right? And yes, I think Matt Ryan is viable in that prop market. Yes, I think Julio is viable in the wide receiver prop market. But on the team futures, their win total, the Atlanta Falcons stand at seven and a half. The juice is to the under. Okay, so the books think this is a 7-9 team or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, their no to make the playoffs is minus money. Minus 270 to That's not make the playoffs. Well, if you think they got a shot to make the playoffs, remember, seven teams plus 210 to make the playoffs. And then if you think this division is interesting, right, I know there's some big boys there down south in there, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. The Falcons are the third choice to win the NFC South at seven to one plus seven hundred, Kevin. So it seems like you, you know, you reacted strongly when I told you they were plus two ten yeah. to make the playoffs. It seems like maybe you're a little bit higher on this Falcons team than the books. I'll, yeah, like we're gonna have to go through the schedule, right? And we will, and I, right? And I very obviously think incredibly highly of both the Saints right. and the Bucks. I, did, I think I, you have them 0-4 already in the division. I, I know I had them beating the Saints once. once. Okay. I do remember that. What what I'm trying to figure out here, and I I, I hate having to ask you to just kind of like count like this on the spot, yeah. but where are they amongst NFC teams? Because plus 210, like are they, are they even inside the top 10 with those top. odds? I'll tell you. Um, no, I hear what you're saying. So you think they're kind of like a fringe contender. It sounds like you think like they'll be in the mix among three teams playing like meaningful games in December, right? right? And them and a couple of others will kind of battle it out. So within the NFC, okay, you know, you're right. They are, they are, they are not within the top ten. They are not within the top ten, okay? And so you're higher on them than some of these teams that have shorter odds. I didn't look at yes, no playoffs, but I have the NFC Championship odds up, okay? Mm-hmm. And in that market, they are yeah. the 11th choice, okay. Kevin, okay? The Niners, you know. The Saints and Bucks, you know. That's three, okay? Cowboys and the Eagles, that makes mm-hmm. five, sure. okay? The Seahawks, that makes six. We haven't even touched the NFC North yet right. then. Packers and Vikings, that makes seven and eight, mm-hmm. okay? Then... You got the Rams still ahead of them. And the markets, although I disagree, have the Chicago Bears ahead of them. So if you think about it, these are all teams that are picked to finish third in their division, right? Yeah. The top two in the West, done. San Fran, Seattle. The top two in the North, uh, in there. Green Bay, Minnesota. The top two in the East, Dallas, uh, Philly, in there. The top two in the North, Green Bay, Minnesota, in there. Among the third place kind of teams, they go Rams with the best shot, the third place out west. Then Bears, third place up north. Then the Falcons, third place down south. And then the Cardinals, you know, are right there as well. Um, Sounds like you think Atlanta is more of a contender than, say, Chicago or, say, the Rams. Yeah, I'm starting to think, though, that that plus money on this playoff bet is... See, this is, you know, you're, you're trying to always find, like, the value, right? But I know for a fact you think they're better than the Bears. I know that because you think the Bears are terrible, right? That's right. That's right. The Rams, the Packers, we both, you, I believe, had them both going like 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. 
Yeah, the, but the Vikings and Packers were weird, right? Like, the Packers were the benefit oh, of that, this. That, that, you had the Packers going 11-5, and five, I think, no, after I know that. I, right, but I had them winning eight games in a row. I, I basically right. I had them going 11-5, and five, and then I think I instantly told you they could be 8-8, eight and eight, right? <laughs> like, I hated it, right? The right, Vikings are – I, I think that this Falcons team, I would – this is what I feel confident in saying. Them at plus 210 to make the playoffs is a good value bet. I personally, I, I don't know if it's because I am still adjusting to the gambling game or I am naive, whatever it might be, stubborn. The idea of it's a good bet because it's good value still escapes me. I'd like to win a bet. That's right, when I right. know I've made a good bet because that's what when to me. balance increases, right? Right, correct. But I feel confident in saying that the Falcons at plus 210 is a good value bet. They are not outside the top 10. They have them at the 11th best odds to win the NFC. Um, that may not necessarily correlate to the 11th best odds to make the playoffs. But then if you like that, what about just even money over seven and a half? It's at plus 100. Remember, I told you the juice was under uh, the seven and a half. That was minus 120. So you get even money plus 100 to go over seven and a half. Well, I think, I think that the the better play would be the over because they have an offense that gives them an any given Sunday type of mantra that can apply. And if this defensive change that they made towards the end of last season, carries over. who knows? I would, I would also, I would, I would make this note. Their price must be correlated to the fact that the teams with the second and third best odds in the conference are in their division. That may be right. And that has to that has to be playing right. a factor in this. I think you're probably right. Um, I think you're probably right. But you know, it's interesting. You have the, you're a little bit high on the Falcons, so you know what we have to do. All right. Later on in this hour, we will bring up the Falcons schedule. All right, and we'll go game by game. And you know, this is your kind of knee jerk reaction. When we go game by game, you will see for sure. And I'm excited because before we do that, Kevin, we're going to bring in our guy, Evan Birchfield, okay, from SB Nation. He does um, a show called The Falcon Holic. So he's plugged in. And we're going to ask him this stuff. Like, what do we expect out of Todd Gurley? Is Todd Gurley going to be a value add for this offense, right? What do we expect out of the Falcons' defense? You know, we talk about. Um, the move for Raheem Morris, is that something, you know, they had a strong second half last year. Some people believe they were just playing for Dan Quinn's job. Does that motivation continue? We'll see that, and we'll get Evan's take not only on the Falcons, but, you know, how how they fit in this division. I'm excited to bring him on, and then, you know, it's a little bit of a cheat code for you, Kevin, because you get the additional context, and then we'll go game by game. We'll see if those are the right bets to make on the Atlanta Falcons. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge here on SportsGrid. Hour number two about to kick off, and as you know, We have been doing the way too early line, the roster reset, um, shining a light on today, the Atlanta Falcons. And we are lucky that it is not only my thoughts, Kevin's thoughts. We've got Evan Birchfield coming in. He represents SB Nation. You can find him on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Uh, Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us so far today. How are you doing? And is everybody happy and healthy? How's your quarantine holding up? Certainly. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, just trying to get through, you know, day-to-day life, um, being kind of secluded in my room. Um, it's just you got to get used to all of a sudden having sports all the time to no sports at all. That's been right. a bit of an adjustment. Um, so I've been checking out more of the, uh, I guess, you, like sports simulators online. I see people ah. doing um, like the e-racing and, you know, that's all kind of fun. But, man, I can't wait to get back to specifically some football, even Little things like training camp you take advantage of, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, people need to scratch that itch in some way. I'd mm -hmm. much rather it be the NFL. So let's talk yeah. about it, okay? For me, one of the biggest moves in the Falcons offseason was kind of bringing home the prodigal son of Todd Gurley, right? Coming from Los Angeles into Atlanta, the former Georgia Bulldog. My question, though... Is what kind of role do you expect Todd Gurley to have? We know about his kind of like arthritic condition. He can't, mm -hmm. in essence, be the workhorse that he was previous years with the Rams. What are you envisioning kind of his load, his work for these Rams? Are we talking about 15 touches a game up to 20? Are they going to like hold him in mothballs until the end of the season? Mm -hmm. If I'm a fantasy owner of Gurley, I got to know what to expect. What do you think is going to be his role in this offense? Yeah, so I think the 15 to 20 range is pretty much the sweet spot. Um, last year, we had Devontae Freeman, obviously, who we no longer have because they released him. Um, and he was pretty much, I guess, the workhorse, even though he, you know, it was more of a committee, um, seeing like Brian Hill mixed in there. Gurley, you know, it's a low, it was a low risk, low, you know, potentially high reward um, signing. Uh, it is all about that knee. And recently, um, uh, offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter was on a conference call um, with the Fal or Atlanta media and mentioned how, you know, brought up the knee issue and it kind of caught everybody off guard because it's like, you guys signed him, you know, <laughs> hoping there's some sort of confidence in that, in that knee. You should um, know about this already. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are we, and, and this was maybe less than a week ago. So it, it wasn't like months ago, like, okay, we're heading, you know, towards the season here. We should probably have a good idea, but um, that didn't bring a lot of, you know, faith in the fans, but we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be more uh, um, of a workhorse type than people expect. Mm. Um, last year with the Rams, uh, even McVay came out and said he didn't use uh, Gurley correctly. Um, I had personally, I ha I've had Gurley on my fantasy football team for the last two years. So I've seen more of him than probably most Falcons fans or anybody mm -hmm. who covers the team. And McVeigh would literally pull him to bring in like Malcolm Brown or Henderson right. and basically vulture at the, you know, at the goal line. Um, Falcons aren't going to do that. Um, they're going to get everything, you know, I hate to put it this way, but they got to juice Gurley for everything he's still got left Just squeeze it mm -hmm. because it's only a one year deal. Um, if the knee starts mm -hmm. flaring up, you know, what was the point of signing him? Chew him up and spit him out. <laughs> it's a cruel world, but you got to get what you can, you know, yeah. out of his prime. Because for many years, he was literally one or two top running backs in the league. So, you know, the potential's there. It's a homecoming sort of thing, going back to Georgia. Um, but I believe it's going to be more of a role than a lot of people expect. Mm. Um, I think the goal line is where you're going to see it a big difference. Because last year, uh, Quadri Allison, who was a fifth-round pick, um, he kind of used, he's kind of similar to Gurley in the fact that he didn't have a ton of rushing yards in the goal line, but he had like four touchdowns and led the team. So it's that sort of thing where I think Gurley's going to excel in Atlanta. Evan, let me ask you actually about the guy that he's replacing. You mentioned his name, and mm -hmm. he's kind of in the news right now talking yeah. about, oh, I got, you know, uh, I'll sit out the year. I, you know, I think he tweeted out the other day, I got 10 years left in me, but I think then he, yeah, deleted, that. he deleted it. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you think about Devonta Freeman just being, being out there on the open market and what he could potentially bring to a team? Um, I mean, if you ask the common fan, they hate him now because of the Super Bowl where he missed the, a key block. Um, but overall, covering his career, um, I, I've liked Devontae Freeman. He's been one of the more humble people out there. I think the issue with him is he's surrounded by not bad people, but people who don't quite understand the sports industry and making decisions, such as um, the Seattle Seahawks. A report came out that they offered him up to $4, four million. million. Yeah. yeah, and then he uh, passed on it, apparently, because you know the Carlos Hyde ended up going there, same, pretty much the same exact deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel bad for the guy. Um, there's rumors now, I think, uh, that he could end up retiring if he doesn't end up, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if he doesn't end up signing anywhere um, this season or sitting out a whole year or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a bad spot to be in because, you know, an aging running back who's had a share of injuries, um, it's not like you get always a second chance. Uh, there's been good running backs who have aged and just left the league because they didn't have any other decisions. But I think ultimately, you know, if he doesn't get, because I don't think he's going to get more than 4 million. I don't know why right. anyone would mm -hmm. turn that down. 
Um, retirement might be best because he has had some injuries in his past that, you know, especially like concussion injuries to where, you know, get out while you can sort of thing. Right. But I wish him only best. He's, he's, he's a good guy. I don't let the like recent Twitter storm stuff, I guess, bother me. Um, but he, he's a good dude. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is what with a lot of these free agents that are still out there, they have to look themselves in the mirror and understand what the market value yeah. truly is if they do, in fact, want to play this year. I think that applies to a lot of the people that are still out there, Jadavion Clowney, Everson Griffin, mm -hmm. Cam Newton, notwithstanding. I want to ask you, you know, because when we talk about the Falcons, Evan, we're always talking about the offensive side of the ball, the dirty birds. I want to mm -hmm. ask you about the defensive side. I mean, late last year, there was an interesting switch in the coaching staff that I took notice of, and it was Raheem Morris moving mm -hmm. to the other side of the ball where he belongs as a defensive coach. And the Falcons' defense improved dramatically in the second half of the season. Talk to me about the Falcons' defense. I know they bring in A.J. Terrell with their first-round pick. They wanted a cornerback. They got a cornerback. Does Raheem Morris have, like, new tools to play with? Are we going to continue to see an improved Falcons' defense, in your opinion? Because, you know, they got to see Drew Brees twice a year, yeah. and now they got to see TB12 twice a year as well. Yeah, um, I mean, the thing fans have wanted forever is a pass rush, right? Mm. They've had Vic Beasley and they cling to him for reasons unknown. Um, and that didn't work out well. And now they brought in Dante Fowler from the Rams. Um, as you mentioned, AJ Terrell, um, Marlon Davidson in the second round is hopefully going to fill a big void at um, defensive tackle next to Grady Jarrett. Um, but I mean, it's kind of a toss up because this team is bizarre to where, I mean, they, they look terrible the first half of the season. And then, as you mentioned, that second half of the season, Dan Quinn basically steps aside, you know, with his job on the line, on the hot seat. Um, and Raheem Morris, the defense was amazing, pretty much winning games at some points because the offense was struggling. Yeah. Um, I mean, held, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but holding like the Saints to like nine or six points. Mm -hmm. And I believe the Panthers, a similar number, six or nine. Um, the San Francisco game late in the year would be another definitely. example. And nobody, and I, I me myself, had thought we had a chance in that. And it was, they right. look good. Um, it's, it's puzzling. But the thing with the Falcons is you never know what you're actually going to get because they may look good on paper and just blow it up, or they may look a little suspect on paper and then be pretty good and impress you. So um, defense, I'm excited. Um, I, we've cut some of the fat, so to speak, uh, getting rid of like Devondre Campbell, uh, we freed up some money, brought in some other guys like Dion Buchanan recently, who his best years, I guess you could say, were with the Cardinals because he kind of floated around. I think he ended up in New York. But, um, yeah, uh, there's some there's still some holes and questions. And, you know, the after the post uh, first June cut, uh, we'll get some more money. And I know there's been some rumors. Hopefully they'll go after somebody like, as you mentioned, Everson Griffin or something, because right. um, I, I don't think the pass rush problem is solved. Um, they declined Tech McKinley's uh, fifth-year option this mm. offseason. So essentially, if he, you know, they wipe their hands clean of him next year unless they decide to work on a deal or something like that. So the future of the pass rush is kind of a question mark. Dante Fowler's what they brought in, but right. you know, his best year came with Aaron Donald, you know, on the same defense yeah, as well. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like you know. I don't want to get too excited and right. think he's just going to... I might have single <laughs> Right, I might yeah. have one person in front of me when Aaron Donald is taking up exactly. the rest of the line as uh, well. Yeah, Evan, sure. let, me, let me ask you where you think this team stands within this division, because the Saints are these now perennial Super Bowl contenders. The Bucs add Brady. The Panthers are kind of going through a rebuild, even though their roster maybe is a little bit better than people would think on the surface. Behind Matt Ryan and, you know, the all the 10, off uh, 10 offensive first-round picks that they have, where do you think this Falcons team stands, not only in the division, but in this conference as a whole? Yeah, so I'm I, I'm more the level-headed uh, people who cover the Falcons. I'm not going <laughs> to puff smoke at you and stuff and say, oh, they're going undefeated, of course. Evan, their win total right now is seven and a half at most books. That's fair. I, hmm. I, I actually had them about set Like, my, my preseason pre projection is uh, seven and nine, mm -hmm. so you know, a repeat of that. But um, I think their ceiling is probably 10 and six. I don't see them going, you know, the problem with it is, as you mentioned, the division's tough. Um, the Bucks, we haven't seen them on the field, but on paper, 
that's a team that went, I believe, seven and nine last year, and Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. If you cut that in half, which Brady, that's what Brady's value is. He's, he's going to be an elite that. game manager. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> going to cut the interceptions in half to where all of a sudden, if he was on the Buffs last year, they could have easily been a playoff team. I think people forget that and make fun of them, but they had a good defense. Um, it was just, it's hard to overcome 30 interceptions, regardless of how your defense is or whatever. Um, and then the Saints, always tough. They you, Usually the Falcons and them split at least one game. Um, so I think they'll get a game there. And then the Panthers, uh, it's a toss-up because it's like they brought in this offensive mind, and I believe in the draft they just drafted all defensive players. So yeah. it's like who knows what's going to actually happen there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a tough year. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited because I, I love NFC South football. Every team hates each other. Yeah. It's just – it's something else. <laughs> no, absolutely, Evan. You know, so it sounds like you have them right around their win total. Uh, if they go 7-9, and nine, I don't think they're making the playoffs. That's minus mm -hmm. 270 for the Falcons to not make the playoffs. Would you – I know you don't want to bet against your home team, but would you Would you lay that? Do you uh, think they have a playoff team this year? I think they have the potential. If mm. I'm betting my life on it, I'd say no, just because <laughs> it, it is – I mean, the division's tough. It All is. right, well, promise me this, Evan, that at some point throughout the season, you'll come back and join us, and we can kind of check up against this and see hey, if they're overperforming. Deal? All anytime. right, you can obviously catch Evan at Evan Burchfield on Twitter. You know, don't throw him any shade. Don't add him. But thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us here on the early line, Evan. I appreciate you guys having me anytime. All Thank right. you. When we come back, we dig into the schedule and see if Kevin can find more than seven wins for the Falcons this year. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. Hey, Kevin, it was good to have Evan on, right? He seems like he thinks Todd Gurley may get more touches, more production, yeah. more opportunity than we were thinking. So we're going to remember that in terms of diamonds and fugazis potentially a little bit later on. But it sounds like, Kev, you know, and it's interesting because of the one-year deal, right? So Atlanta can kind of chew them up and spit them out. They don't care necessarily about long-term prospects. Yeah. If you think Matt Ryan kind of on the back nine, Julio Jones on the back nine. This window for Atlanta is open as long as Matt Ryan is their starting quarterback, right? And yeah. so you got to have someone like Gurley. I think they're going to squeeze the juice out of the orange, like Evan said, because think about yeah. it. Their, their boys are all, you know, the window is sort of closing, so they're going to shove all in. Right. The thing is, the reason I'm laughing a little bit, though, right, right. is Evan – was like trying to tiptoe around the idea and felt bad that they were basically gonna use Gurley 300 times. You know what I mean? And yeah. you just, as per, jump right in. Yeah, they're gonna rip that orange dry, man. That dude, that dude, that dude is gonna be chewed up and spit right out. And it was just like, I'm surprised you didn't like throw an ACL tear in there somewhere just to feel, you know. Give it that full Martinez stamp of approval. I'm surprised that when we're talking about Atlanta, the home of the Turner Network, that you didn't bring up wrestling. But hey. But I didn't do it. So, <laughs> so if, look, we have some time. We could talk a little bit about some AEW. No, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But here we go. <laughs> All right. The time has come, Kevin. Let's test this up against the details of the schedule. Like I always say, right? Whether it's a league returning to play or out of better futures bet, the devil is in the details. So let's find out. They start at home. And this is interesting. They start at home against Seattle. One o'clock Eastern start. Seattle coming west to east for the opener in the Dome. What you got? Tired of the Seattle team. They were 7-1 and one on the road last year. They won an absurd amount of close games. Russell Wilson's that dude. I don't care. I'm not giving them all of these games. Even though they're good from the west coast to the east coast. They're like all of the things that make you want to pick Seattle. I'm giving Atlanta. A home win to start it off. Home opener. All right. Fair enough. Week two, they go to Dallas. What you got? Cowboys, man. Like, that's just the type of spot where it's the type of game where Dallas, because Dallas, I know for a fact, is coming off a really big Sunday night game against, yeah, against the, Rams. the Rams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the type of game where Dallas, if they're right, score like 40. 
Yeah, it's true. And it, it is probably it's their home opener as well. You know, Dak is going to be out to, you know, uh, earn a contract. Let's say week three, they're home. It's Green Bay that comes to town. The Falcons are home bringing in Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay comes to Atlanta. Ooh, boy. Um, I'll, boy, that is tough, isn't it? I'll go Green Bay, but that one made me pause maybe more. I than had that. this wrong. I'm sorry. I, I digress. I messed this up. It is the, okay. their logos look the same. It's the Bears coming to Atlanta. Oh. Week three. Then the, the, the Falcons win. Excellent. Okay. No problem. And I digress. It's because the following week, I saw the logo there. It's Green Bay, but this one is Monday Night Football in Lambeau Field, week four. Makes it all so easy. Green Bay wins that one. Now I don't have to be so right. uh, wishy-washy on it. So you got them two and two. They come back home. And you know what's interesting? The first half of the Falcons season, it yeah. goes, they alternate. It's literally home away, oh, wow. home away, home away, through the first uh, 10 games of their season. Uh, like which is that? very interesting. As a team, like, would you prefer that to two here, three there, two here? As long as it doesn't, you know, because they got road trips then back-to-back -back at the end of their season. We'll get to that that I don't like. But so far they are alternating. And after four weeks you have them two and two. Then week five. So, like I said, they get back home and it's Carolina. Yeah. Should be good Win. for them. Yeah. All right, so you got them three and two. They go back on the road uh, at Minnesota this time around. Nope, Minnesota's tough at home. Minnesota's, Minnesota's a very, very easy team for me when they play anybody that's not in the north at home. So you got Minnesota winning that game? Yeah, yeah. Winning that game. So they're alternating home and road. It seems like they're alter alternating wins and losses for you. They come back home and see Detroit. Yeah, Alternating again, giving them a yeah. win. This time they go on the road. But remember, this is the Thursday night game. They're on the road. It's Carolina. They have the short week. The Falcons do. Carolina in this in this game is coming from the road as well. They're coming off a road date with the Saints. I think I'll I'll have to lean Panthers here. Now this is the second time that they're seeing Carolina in a Correct. short window, right? Yeah. So with the Thursday night road trip as well. I have to lean with the Panthers. All right, you got this team four and four after half of the season right there. And remember, their win total is seven and a half. Then yeah. they're home. It is the Denver Broncos who come to town week nine. That's a really fun game, but I will yeah. lean Atlanta. All right, so you got them five and four. Ten, week 10 is their bye week, but they continue their alternating. So they were at home for week nine. Their next game is on the road. Remember, this is now coming off their bye. They go to the Superdome to see the Saints. It's still the Saints, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's still yeah. the Saints. I think All right, that's you got a... five and five now, right there. Uh, this is where that alternating, well, they're at the Saints. They come home, and this is their first home stand. Two okay. in a row, okay? Week 12, they welcome the Raiders into town. And then week 13, those same Saints they just saw make the return trip. So two games in Atlanta, the Raiders, and then the Saints. I'm going to give them both. You know, we've we've talked we've talked a lot about the two and three with a division, right? Yeah. Playing that same team twice in three games, and how the team that lost the first one it could be beneficial for them coming back around. And Evan even mentioned it; they usually do take one off the Saints. True. It kind of lines up pretty nicely for them in this scenario. All right, so you have them now, seven and five, going into the last four of the season. Remember, mm -hmm. I told you they have that two-game homestand. They go back on the road, although, you know, they may have more home fans in attendance when they go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Yeah, but we've talked, man. That, that east to west is not great. Right. And I'm going to still... I'm gonna. Here's the thing, though. I'll give this to the Chargers, but this ah, is the type of game to me. Quarterback for the Chargers. That's Dang, right. We're, we're, we're doing shows too often together now. It's just you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting it, but that's a really interesting thing there because if that's Herbert, look, it could be a good thing. could be a disaster type of thing. Okay. So you got it seven and six. You mentioned the idea of seeing the same team twice in three weeks, right? They yes. do that with the Saints. Guess what? There's only three weeks left to the schedule, and they have not played the Tampa Bay Bucks yet. Okay, so they finish. Oh, okay, gosh. home for Tampa, right? Oh, then boy. I told you they had finally their road trip. They have home for Tampa, then weeks 16 and 17 at Kansas City, and then at Tampa Bay. So what you've got to close out, Kevin, home for Tampa, at KC, at Tampa. How do they get through that gauntlet? 
Yeah, so keeping the consistency from yesterday, I did have the Bucks taking both of those games. I right. think one of the things that you and I spoke about a bit with that Bucks schedule was, again, because whenever you have a team going 13-3, and three, even the person picking it, right, you're like, oh, that's a yeah, lot of wins, right? right? And you're like, and, you know, I remember I was like, where did I miss? Like, where was I should? And so maybe the Falcons do get that front game against Tampa Bay. But I remember home. one of the things that, that pushed me to Tampa Bay. I remember – because their bye week is week 13. So there's, to me, so rested, right. still going into a week 15 game. And remember, I told you they haven't gone outdoors. Remember Tampa? They don't go yeah. outdoors. They, they got the home games. Yeah. So I'm going to keep it consistent here. I'm not picking them to win in Kansas City. A 7-5 and five team closes it out with four straight losses. All right. That's what you got. Right. You had them 7-5, and five, then losses at the Chargers. Home for Tampa, and that's the problem, right? Three of their last four games are on the road. This is an indoor Southern team. Now, you know, out in Los Angeles isn't going to be a problem. Out in Tampa, Week 17 probably won't be a problem. But, you know, day two days after Christmas in Kansas City, it's cold. All right, so but you have them, you know, going, uh, losing four in a row, going from seven and five to seven and nine there you have it evan thought they were seven and nine you think they're seven and nine what do you think now about the over seven and a half or the yes to make the playoffs now that you've gone through the schedule kev i think i don't think i had them winning a road game i could be wrong but i don't know if they won a single road game uh you had them not winning at dallas not at green bay not at minnesota did you have them know that carolina one was the short week thursday night football uh not in the dome you had the west coast trip to the chargers not in kansas city and not in that finale against tampa no you had them but then that also means you had them going seven and one in the georgia dome right so if you think about that basically i you know it's it's almost me telling you what games they'll be favored in. It shows how good that seven and a half number is, in essence, I would almost argue um, with you. I think you go through this schedule, and if this team is able to pull anything together on the road, they've got sunshine. With that being said, we've talked about them starting slow a little bit some of the seasons. If they get off to a slow start, they are, they are dead in the water. This could they go off else like if that see it's very funny right the idea that a week one game could be must win is preposterous and you have them like beating the seahawks and i think the seahawks are a very good squad right and, I, I mean, and they'll have the opportunity with the body clock and all right because they could travel whatever the hell they want because sure. it's week one of the season absolutely right like my me picking against seattle has to do with seattle having some level of aggression from what they were able to do last year right, right. but of course seattle can win that game the seahawks are kings of week one winning by two points like, right. they just do this this nonsense. It's an intriguing now, week one game. Like, and now, and if, if you look at the spread, because I know FanDuel still has week one. Yeah, up, yeah, I'm going there it's, now. It's like a, it's like a pick em, essentially. Give it's it, a, roughly. Maybe a point either direction. It, it's, and what a jumping off point that is, right? Because then they're doing this home road, home road that is a, a real winding road well, for them. To be honest, because if Seattle gets that road win to start on one of their East Coast trips, that sets up nicely. Uh, the Falcons are home dogs week one, but it is only by a point with Seattle. So it's a basically a pick em. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I lean towards Atlanta in that spot. But, I mean, there's a couple of other, you know, like they're welcoming in Denver. They're welcoming in Vegas. Like, you know, that that's great for them. But you see the turnaround. And I, I try and, like, you know, you try and identify the flip games, right? Yeah. Okay, they might win when they go to L.A. I also hadn't beaten the Saints, right? So that could okay. be a net neutral, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they pull one off at Tampa Bay. But I don't know. Like, I feel somewhat sturdy in, in my grasp on Tampa Bay from where we kind of position those games, right? The Panthers situation is really weird because you'd love to see them grab one off at Carolina. But, it, you know, it's a schedule you court. Know, one last question I would ask you. And FanDuel, they have up odds for, like, where you finish in the division. Okay. Okay. And you like New Orleans. You like Tampa, right? A lot. Yep. So what about the idea of Atlanta finishing third in this division? Yeah. I mean, that's the expectation. 
right? You know, so maybe that's an interesting bet. We'll bring that up if we can as well. We'll also, when we come back, look at our diamonds and fugazis for the Atlanta Falcons. And it's tough again. We got some people like Julio all the way at the top of the food chain. Is he a value what do you think if Todd Gurley does get more carries like Evan thinks? Some interesting fantasy goodness. We'll cover it on the other side of the break. It's Dane and Kevin looking for some diamonds and fugazis on the Falcons when we come back. It's the early line. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We are covering the Dirty Birds today. Uh, so we're looking at the Atlanta Falcons. It's interesting. Kevin was like, yeah, plus 210 to make the playoffs. And then he has them going 7-9 and nine when we get into it. So now we got to look from the fantasy realm. I got to ask you, let's just first talk about Gurley, okay? okay? He might be a diamond in the rough for me. You know, we heard Evan talk about before that he, they, he thinks, at least, he may get more touches. Than yeah. we're expecting, than like the 12 or 15 a game. Although the caveat is they don't know what his health is just yet. But I like the way you've said it before. The idea of he has the potential to be a top five back. Right now, Kev, Todd Gurley is going as running back 16. Okay. And so for me, after you get all those RB1s off the board, yeah. I'm going to look for upside. I'm going to look for guys you mentioned, like an Austin Eckler, who could pop. Right. Or for me, like and I think Gurley fits in that level. I think people are going to be scared of him, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because of the injury history. We talked about the fact that Freeman is not there. A lot of carries up for grabs in that offense. Ito Smith is no real threat, in my opinion. I actually think Todd Gurley. And again, the caveat is if healthy, I think yeah. he's a fantasy diamond. And when you're drafting. Do you really, like, put people on a do-not-draft list because of an injury history? Like, you know, I I look at a bunch of other people that are above him that I can say are injury-prone as well. Dalvin Cook among them, you know, Zeke. I mean, not Zeke, but Saquon had an issue. Josh Jacobs got hurt last year. You know, there are people above him. You know, Chris Carson right there coming back from injury. So why is it that Gurley would get dinged when all these others don't necessarily? I actually think the public perception of Gurley being injury prone with his potential, if I get 15 games out of him, make him a value for me as an RB2. That's a diamond in the rough for me. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough, man. Right? To me, there's no such thing as like, I won't draft a player. It's more so acknowledging that you won't own the player because he's going to he go. He won't be on any of my teams. Yeah, right? before the range that you would actually take him. Let me let me bring up a comparison that will kind of spin heads, or at least it's spinning mine. Go ahead. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? Yep. On the one that one you are using. above Todd Gurley. I did not know that. It's cool when things work out that nicely. Yep. How do you handle that duo? You're on the clock. You got to draft one of those two guys. You know me, brother. What has been my biggest thesis so far this year? The RBB3, okay? I know there are lots of dudes in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I see a clear path to workhorse for Todd Gurley. I personally would take Todd Gurley over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And remember, we've talked about this. I was real high on Edwards-Hilaire. I wanted him, but he wound up in this spot. So now I got to fade him or... He's not going to be on my teams because someone else is going to take him before I'm comfortable. If you ask me just those guys, for my RB2, I'm still looking for someone who could be in the top five, who could be a bell cow. Todd Gurley fits that bill for me. Let me tell you something else. I won the Greenwich Street Tavern League last Mm -hmm. year. Okay? I went, um, Le'Veon Bell was my first round pick. Uh, My second round pick was um, another big-time running back, uh, maybe Fournette, something like that. Todd Gurley was still there in the third round. Mm. And I took him. And I took him. And I went RB, RB, RB. Now, the wideouts I wound up with, you know, weren't amazing. I got it done. You know, it was like up 
Cortland Sutton helped me. Uh, Curtis Samuel were the three I was running out. But I took Todd Gurley because he was still there, and he helped me to a championship, you know? So maybe I have rose-colored glasses, but I'm looking at that level for guys who could be the workhorse. And for me, Todd Gurley fits that description. Yeah, I, I think he does. And you know and to what? To be honest, what Kevin said, help me on that one, right? As it should. I, I think if we get a normal uh, – here's, here's a bold-ish prediction Go for ahead. you. If we get a normal training camp, Todd Gurley will start, end up, by the time we get to real drafts, a tie as a top 10 back, being ADP-wise. Because all it's going to take, Dane, is, is the usual, ah, this is the best Gurley's looked in years. He's, right. His knee couldn't be healthier. He's going to say, this is the best I felt. It all might right. be true. And when you pair that with the situation yeah. with the... And this is a dynamic offense. Yet, it always has been. I don't. They're gonna put up points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can you tell me who 10, 11, 12 are right now? ADP wise. Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders. Oh come on. Oh come on. I mean, we're talking. We're talking about this Packers team that decided to draft a running back. This whole big disaster that they've got going on there, sure. and the potency of that offense, and the touchdown regression that's going to be coming for Aaron right. Jones. Kenyon right? Drake, 11 Kenyon. in Arizona. Kenyon Drake, as much as they've got a zillion weapons there, and it could be good for him, there's a zillion weapons there. He also had also a weird touchdown numbers during his brief stint in Arizona. And you know I love Miles Sanders. You know I do. But Miles, is Miles Sanders going to get as much work as Todd Gurley? I would push back on that. If the Eagles don't bring in a veteran running back like they're talking yeah, to, then right, yes. Which I but it looks see. like you're definitely shopping in that market, whether it becomes yeah. a Shady McCoy, a Lamar Miller, a Devontae Freeman, or someone else. I just, I think, and that's, and again, like, he's 16, and I'm talking about 10, 11, 12. You can make the case for Gurley today. Let's and it's, you know, Eckler, Edward Hilaire, Carson. Yeah. I take Eckler over all of them. That's that's a me thing, okay? Yeah. But just let some of the coach speak start. Let Gurley tell everybody that he's that in the best shape, the best of, his shape of his life. life. That his knee feels good, that he's happy to be home. Yeah, I think he's going to go up as well. You know, it's very hard to – so it looks like we both think he could be a diamond at his current value. It's very hard to consider Julio a diamond or a Fugazi at the level he goes. I want to ask you, do you have any other thoughts? There's one or two other players. I'll also say – I don't know if you were going to say Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, for me, is someone – one of those safe guys at the end. He's going quarterback 10. Okay, so if I wait, you know – and Matt Ryan's still there later on. I'd be fine grabbing Matt Ryan and his, like, obvious 4,400 passing yards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to. I do actually have a very strong diamond from this team that's not Gurley. That mean, a guy who is going to end up, I don't want to say make or breaking some of my fantasy seasons, but a guy who's going to make me really try and figure out what my strategy, and that's going to be Hayden Hurst. That's where I thought you were going. Okay, go talk to me I about mean, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst was, first of all, Hayden Hurst is one of my favorite things of all time. The dude went in the first round. With, to the Baltimore Ravens before they took Lamar. Like, the fact that they said, let's get Hayden Hurst and risk Lamar not being there. Right, right, right. So bananas. And then the fact that Hurst then wasn't the best tight end that they took in that draft Mark class. Because Mark Andrews. Drafted late. Right. I, it, like, I'm already in, in, like, I already find myself endearing him. But he was able to put up some production in Baltimore. He now comes in and replaces Austin Hooper, who was, uh, I think, the sixth tight end last year in top fantasy. Five, yeah, yeah. A top we, five tight end. We saw what Hooper was able to get paid. Now, some of that could be fluky, this, that, and the third. That's a, lo that's a lot of space that needs to be occupied, though, losing right. Austin Hooper. Is Hayden Hurst going to be tight end six? No. But can he easily, to me, be a tight end one? I believe so. Now, I don't know the exact ADP spot, but I yeah, think that Hayden Hurst is going to be much better probably than where he's going. He's just outside of tight end one territory, okay? And and by the way, we always do as a rule of thumb the top 12, right? 12 team leagues are the standard. He's uh, going as tight end 14. I think it's interesting, though, Kevin. You know, we did earlier in the show, we did like unaccounted for carries, right? And how whoever comes in there can absorb it. I think you're right. And down the road, we'll do this with targets, you know. But Austin Hooper... Uh, was one of the most heavily targeted tight ends. It's now Hayden Hurst that goes into that role. Don't get me wrong. The target monster that is Julio Jones remains, right? But I, I, I like where you're going. He's someone in that third tier of tight ends. We know the big ones, right? The Ertz, the Kelseys, the Kittles, right? Then I always talk to you about a tier, the Andrews, Henry, Ingram, Darren Waller, right? That gets me, as I always say, to eight or nine, let's say. Yeah. The next tier is probably... Tight end nine to like tight end 15 or 16. I agree with you. Hayden Hurst is in that tier. And if you're comfortable not getting one of the elite, then he could be someone passing offense. 
The touches have been vacated. You also know that the tight end is utilized in that offense, right? right? And they traded for him, too. Like, they They aggressively wanted to bring him in. This is a a former first-round talent. You can argue whether he should have gone that high. He did. And and clearly the Falcons thought that this could be an apt replacement for Austin Hooper, who was a key cog to that offense last year. Like, I'm not telling you that this guy's going to be a top-five tight end, but you don't need him to be. And if you're someone who likes to wait on tight end, this can be your safety valve. Yeah, I think that's true. I think he'll be out there. And remember, like in Scotty Fishbowl that we're talking about, where tight ends get a point and a half per reception, they're going to go a little bit further. The one other player I want to ask you about is the emerging young uh, wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. You know, uh, generally speaking, I'm on second, third-year wide receivers. Last year, for example, I was on Chris Godwin. I was on DJ Moore, right? I was on Cortland Sutton, and I was on Calvin Ridley. He was one, though, that didn't really take that step. Godwin did. We love DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton. These are guys who this year are now going in the top 15. But Calvin Ridley is being drafted as though he did take that step forward. He's going as wide receiver 18 and for me, because there's Julio there as such a target monster, yeah. now with Todd Gurley there, you mentioned Hurst. I think some of the pie, I think some of Ridley's pie is going to get cut. And he's still being drafted as a wide receiver, too. I would be more comfortable with Ridley this year as my wide receiver, three. If you tell me your fantasy team and Ridley's your wide out, too, I think that's something of a weakness. So for me, Ridley might be a fugazi, someone who's not going to be on my team, someone I'm going to forget about. Ridley's really interesting because one of the he's things that stood ahead out. ahead of Dante Parker. Wow. That's... He's going ahead of both Seattle wideouts, Lockett and Metcalf. He's going ahead of Keenan Allen. He's going ahead of T.Y. Hilton. I'll take all those guys if I have the choice. Well, yeah, we've, we've talked about just the weirdness of this wide receiver group. To, now, yeah. yeah, like specifically Calvin Ridley, his year one, it was he had this crazy touchdown production, right? And I think right. there's a lot of people who were like, ah, this has got to feel back. Remember at the same time when it was like, oh, Julio Jones has zero touchdowns. Well, that ain't yeah. going to hold either, people. But the thing is, then year two, he misses three games. He had seven touchdowns. So 10 his first year. He had seven the next year. He was able to put up a, you know comparable numbers. If you look at it on a per-game basis, you know he was a top 20 wideout. Right. And if he's able to stay healthy, I mean, this isn't a guy that necessarily, like, we're, you know, he's not Todd Gurley, right? He doesn't necessarily have injury concerns. And while I agree with you that, you know, we talk about number of guys eating into the pie, as much as I just talked up Hurst, is he going to maybe still get as many targets as Austin Hooper got? Is is the touchdown regression from that position going to peel back some? I'm not saying Calvin Ridley's 18, because to me, like, you talk about Keenan Allen, who's a wide receiver, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's a wide receiver. There's a lot of, the wide receiver, like, thing is very, very interesting. But I think there is an argument to be made that if Calvin Ridley was my wide receiver, too, it's actually not that bad. All right, fair enough. We only got about a minute left. All right, so here's what I want to do. I need one more diamond or fugazi here. I'm going to tell you something. I want to know real quick from you, is it a diamond or a fugazi? And I see your face because you don't know what I'm about to say. Um, What I'm about to say are the new Falcons uniforms, Kevin. (laughs) The new Falcons uniforms that have come out, diamond or fugazi for the new threads. Little sideways action. Oh, thumbs down. It's like Digstown right there. Thumbs down for the Falcons. All right, well, we start a new division tomorrow. We've got more Bundesliga, UFC, a lot of ways with the fun and functional sports content. We will see you tomorrow, another day in the books. Again, our thanks to Evan Birchfield for joining us for a few minutes. This has been another edition of The Early Line. For Kevin, I'm Dane. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.